This podcast is brought to you by Black Cat Studios, a hub for entertainment, creation, and collaborative storytelling. Thank you for your continued support. everybody we are here for a special episode a fun episode this time where we have a new guest that we've never had on before gavin crump aka homegrown ontario that's me on instagram you might know him if you're in the berry scene or in the general area scene for cannabis you might have seen all his beautiful beautiful bud all over his instagram he's got a lot of cool content i love i, I love personally watching what people grow and watch people smoke weed. So I like, I like watching your stories too and just watching oh, you smoke. And like, I love, I just love that kind of shit. And I, yeah, I've been really like, I've been really liking your content and really liking what you've been posting. So I wanted to get you on. And I know that we've met before through yeah. like producer pop-ups and stuff like that uh, for very briefly. But um, yeah, after meeting you a few times and talking to you and following you on Instagram, I was like, I got to get this guy on my podcast. Oh, great. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> Right on. So, um, first, I just wanted to start off and just like ask, like, what's your, what's your your story basically? Without leaving like the grow, with leaving the growing out of it, like, oh yeah, basically, just who are you? How did you get to where you are right now? And like, just let the audience kind of know a little bit about you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I got to where I am now. Um, would never have happened without legalization for sure. Yeah. Um, I was in the trades as a house painter primarily. And oh, really? I hurt my back and through that I needed to find a different way to make a living and the benefits of cannabis became more and more apparent and um, uh, that really just set me off into growing and uh, then when it came time to find work, uh, working as a bud tender just seemed to make a lot of sense as well. So yeah, um, yeah just a confluence of events kind of set me on a course. And um, I'm loving it. I mean, uh, uh, a lot of us enjoy recreational cannabis, but certainly the mm -hmm. benefits of therapeutics and the fun of the hobby and then all the interesting people and activities in the community going off right now as legalization explodes and the opportunities there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just been an exciting time and it hasn't been long, really. We're thinking legalization was October 2018. Yep. So uh, we've come a long way in a real uh, brief period of time. Yeah, in only four years, there's some, there's like, it's like a whole new world. <laughs> yeah, whole new totally. world, completely. Um, that's awesome. I just want to, I just want to ask, are you a musician? I, I see am. you're like all your guitars in the back. You play yeah. guitar and bass too, right on. Yeah, amateur, <laughs> very amateur, but uh, that whatever. Was, I, I I find now like my the only hobby I have a lot of time for is gardening, but I I still love music. <laughs> Right on, man. Awesome. Yeah, my dad plays a lot. My dad's played bass all his life. I, I can like basically campfire chord. <laughs> okay, that's great. That's more than most <laughs> but that's a, that's it's about a lot it. Of fun for sure. Yeah, and I grew up playing drums too, which was really oh, really awesome. fun as well. Yeah, man. Um, do you want to have a bowl? Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's right definitely on, do that. Hell yeah. Um, what are you smoking right now? I am smoking some homegrown. This is uh, right on. If anyone with the video will see my Dollar Seeds hat, this is my buddy 
uh, Dollar Seeds. He is a Canadian craft breeder out, uh, out of the East Coast. And he crossed uh, Cement Shoes and Mac 2. Ooh. And uh, there's a Mac two. I didn't even know there was uh, more than the one. You to know, be honest, there is. Yeah, there is a Mac two. I <coughs> oh, nice. nice bud. And uh, cures up really nicely. It's got that straight down the middle hybrid sort of feel we uh, think of with Mac. And sorry, nice. I lost Mike here. And no uh, yeah, what are you smoking on? Right now, actually, I'm used. Right now, I'm going through. This isn't what I'm smoking, but I'm regularly going through the Tenzo ice cream sandwiches right now. Oh, that looks fantastic! So nice. We've just it's been so getting nice. that in. I haven't tried it yet, but Tenzo's yeah, I doing just great like, stuff. I just like bought the rest that my store had as well. It's yeah. so good. But right now, I'm actually smoking some OG Kush. That just as per like the theme of the episode, my uh, brother-in-law gave me like four ounces of his his homegrown oh, a couple nice. weeks ago, and was just like, "Here, yeah, I just great. finished this." and like it's obviously like it's his first time growing and he kind of just didn't really look after it just left it outside so it like gets you high but it's uh yeah it is it's it's not it's not, it's not the best but i i know it's going to get there because it's not the worst homegrown i've ever seen no it'll do <laughs> it'll do the job uh one thing i love about being a home grower is being able to share right it's how mm -hmm. nice is it to just whenever i see a friend i got a handful of edibles and some bud for them to try and uh, that's awesome that's a lot of fun I, yeah the I can't wait to be that guy. <laughs> right? For sure, you'll get there. The hardest yeah. thing about home growing is the after harvest care. And that's yeah. where the flavors and the cure and everything uh, are so important. If you want those flavors, you got to you got to dry and cure properly. And unfortunately, this time of year, a lot of first-time growers are discovering that you need to put some effort in there or the yeah. results are going to be a little disappointing. I remember I uh, I was living in Ireland for a little bit before COVID for school and I came back and my dad had been like, oh, I grew all this weed, blah, blah, blah. Like so he had so much. He was sending me pictures. And then the, the, by the time I got home, he was like, yeah, I did not dry it or cure it. Like none of that. Like after he grew it, he did none of it like correctly. So it was no. just like moldy and gross after. It's so, <laughs> it's so frustrating. I would anyone uh -huh. who's going through those frustrations, I would encourage you to look into making hash or edibles. You can you yeah. can still get some value out of that that stinky homegrown uh, uh, with by uh, getting a, an ice wash for making bubble hash, getting a, a machine for that, or uh, just learning how to decarbon infuse properly. I mean, yeah, an ounce of cruddy home grow that I wouldn't want to smoke gives me about 140 gummies that are 25 to 40 milligrams. So nice. you can definitely do all right with that homegrown, even if s achieving top grade bud is the, in my opinion, the hardest thing to pull off about pr producing your own. Uh, mm -hmm. But there's plenty, plenty of stuff you can do along the way before you get there. Interesting. Would you say that like, Say I had two grams of this OG Kush, mm -hmm. and then I had two grams of the ice cream sandwiches by Tenzo, mm -hmm. and I put those in the gummies. Would you find much of a difference there because now they're infused, or would you kind of... Potentially, no. Um, you're not going to... Um, flavor might be an issue because if you've got poorly dried and cured cannabis, that hay flavor, that flavor of chlorophyll is going to be there, and that can come through in your infusion. Also, if the Tenzo is like they're jarring their tops and they're better buds, so yeah. you're, you're maybe dealing with 25, 26, close to 30% on some of that. That homegrown, depending on the quality of the bud, it could be a potency thing. 
But um, yeah, long answer, yes. But I would still do it anyways. Sweet. Yeah. Right on. Well, you want to have this bowl? Yeah, let's do it. Before we move on? Right Cheers, on, buddy. Cheers. There it is. <coughs> I see you got the smoke button there. Is that uh, you find that a helpful <coughs> device? Oh my god, it's saved my life, man. Like I um, I I've been renting for the last few years, and then I just recently moved back into my parents' house to save up some money. So sure. like, I've just been like protecting my ass down in the basement yeah, by absolutely. using the smoke Roommates, buddy. Yeah, parents uh, living in an apartment. Yeah, I hear they're great. <coughs> they're wonderful. Have you ever used one before? No, I haven't. <coughs> I I probably should though. Like I. Honestly, a life where there's worry about it, but uh, yeah, exactly. A life where there's a need without a smoke buddy is the one I want to live anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Anyway, um, before I get into more growing, I like to ask everyone on the podcast this: Do you remember your first time smoking weed? What it was like? Um, I remember that summer and the first few sessions, and I remember me and my friends kind of still keeping track of like oh i've smoked four grams oh i've smoked four and a half or whatever yeah um <laughs> yeah uh there's a couple times conflated together but i do remember um being extremely high and not knowing what to do with myself and having to be <laughs> home to eat dinner with my family in half an hour oh god it's like that 70s show when eric's like looking at his parents when he's high yeah no <laughs> and that, I, that touched a chord for a lot of people because it's pretty realistic yeah yeah <laughs> i got anxious watching it yeah <laughs> you know for sure for sure um so why did you I, I guess you like touched on it a little bit but when like when and why did you start growing for the most part like did you was it because you didn't want to purchase in stores more was it just for like the purpose like what it was doing for you as a person um a a few things um i i definitely wanted to smoke top grade at a lower price um i i was spoiled in the black market having a friend who dealt only in pink kush quads and i grew accustomed to that Mm -hmm. and uh, that gets expensive for sure and just not wanting to participate in the corporate side of things quite so much if i could um Mm -hmm. i just really wanted to make the best cannabis possible i wanted to consume i want to consume the best cannabis possible Mm -hmm. and theoretically if you're growing your own you can do that i i'm bad with money i spend a lot of stuff i've Every bartender has, like, the worst spending habits, I feel like, <laughs> myself included. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, I wanted to grow my own because I wanted to get the best quality product possible at a lower price without um, someone else making a ton of profit on, on me. Okay. Um, so then, what is top quality bud to you? Top quality Def- bud? Define, define that to, to our audience. Absolutely. Top quality bud is um i don't want to put anything into a box in your opinion there are exceptions of course top quality bud is the best of what premium plants have to offer so we're talking about uh having the proper moisture content the proper trim job being uh dried and cured properly 
and uh, having uh, desirable terpene and cannabinoid profiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to get all of that correct uh, is a challenge. Um, so, uh, yeah, but th- that that's what I'm after. Sweet. Right on. And I feel like that uh, some th- there's like, I don't know how to say this, like, there's a surprising amount to me that's lacking in that. So, like, I am not surprised that you took that into your own hands. Yes, you know? absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the difference, uh, we both work in uh, legal retail cannabis. Yeah. Um, and we know the difference between a $4 gram and a $12 gram. Exactly. And uh, certainly I'd rather pay $4 a gram, but it mm-hmm. doesn't tick off all those boxes we talked exactly. about. Um, and I've, I've hit a couple times on the importance of after harvest care and processing. And that is where the companies save the money or whatever, whoever the producer is. You, mm-hmm. In order to achieve cannabis of a certain level of quality, let's assume everyone has the right environment and equipment they've got some decent lighting they've got their ventilation systems down they've got their dehumidifiers humidifiers air conditioners every producer of a certain level they have all of that Um, and that all costs an incredible amount of money to purchase Mm -hmm. and maintain and run every month but it's where so where do these other producers save money it's the after harvest care the sooner these producers can take that product and finish it and put it in a bag and move it, the better for their bottom line. It costs money. There, there are basically two options. You can do it fast and cheap, or you can do it right, and it's not mm-hmm. cheap to do it right. Some producers yeah. will wet trim all their plants, dry them on a rack for three days, cure them for a week and a half if you're lucky, and then put it in the bag and sell it to you. The other companies will take a whole plant, not trim it at all, dry it over 14 days in an air-conditioned, ventilated room, and then hand-trim it and hand-package it. That's what you need to do. And then they will cure it for at least three weeks with proper off-gassing or burping, as it's called. Um, Mm -hmm. You can, just through the descriptors there, you can see there is an enormous difference in the amount of human power and time spent on in in producing quality product and that's yeah. that's the difference for you and I as consumers between a $5 gram and a $12 gram exactly there's a lot like it, it's insane to see how much more care people can put into it versus like other pe- places like i won't name the producer obviously but um i went to and looked or like went on a tour of uh LP and around and like they had their they're like founders and home growers and home growers they're just like head growers and stuff like that they were like living in trailers like on the field just so they could look at it like 24 7 and I just thought that care was just like wow yeah and it makes a difference it makes a difference you got to think these these uh, producers if they've got a plant count in the thousands how much care is the average plant getting exactly you know um, how did you learn to grow? Uh, self-taught primarily, Sweet. but um, really that comes from three sources. One is uh, uh, the um, – oh, his name's gone from me. I'll pull it up. <laughs> there, there's a book 
Um, there's one book. There is the GrowWeedEasy.com website. There okay. is uh, Mr. Canucks Grow, a YouTube um, content creator. And um, I made friends with my local grow store, uh, my local hydroponics store, and they taught me nice. a lot. But That's uh, awesome. really, yeah, it's I've really community. I mean, I got started before I had any equipment. I was just obsessively consuming Mr. Canucks Grow YouTube channel content. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when I got into it, uh, finding a local hydroponic store that had a lot of information and friendly staff was great. And then getting on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Now I've got, I mean literally a dozen experts that I could message at any point with a yeah. nutrient deficiency or pest problem or anything else. And they're all eager to help and share. That's awesome. That's yeah. like the best part about this community is no one cares when you like, it's like at 24 seven, just uh, like ask me anything about weed and I'll answer. Exactly. It's <laughs> incredible. It's, and it's incredibly supportive. I stayed off social media for a long time because of mm -hmm. the reputation it has for being so toxic, which it does. Yep. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of good there as well. Certainly if you find your niche, if you find your community. Exactly. Um, so say I'm brand new. This is probably, this might be a very vague question, but say I'm brand new to growing. Yeah. Um, like basically what are the first steps I should take if I'm interested in that? Other than like learning from like these sources that you've mentioned. Sure. Absolutely. Um, learning from... Consuming as much information as you can is definitely a great way to start. Home growing, I'll tell you, I did it wrong. I just started spending money and investing in gear right off the hop. I got a ACMPR license for 25 plants. I should have learned how to grow four <coughs> properly first. You get excited. Uh, Why not? <laughs> it, it's great, though. It's a lot of fun. And as a hobby, I get tremendous value there. I would recommend anyone who enjoys cannabis... To consider growing uh, <coughs> because you can save a lot of money and produce really yep. high quality product. I think the smart way to do it, um, if you have the ability to grow outdoors, uh, get a couple seasons under your belt before you make the big investment if you're not in a great rush because there is a learning curve. I think I know I thought I would just be pulling pounds just as soon as I started. That was not mm -hmm. how it worked for me. Um, so getting a, a few reps in however you can, being patient with yourself, um, and trusting the process and understanding that you're learning would be crucial. Um, but I would say if you can't, if you've got the space and it's legal in your area to grow outdoors, uh, I, I would, I would go through that. Uh, you can, another fun way to get started before you start investing in seeds, just learn germination and early seedling care uh -huh. can be really tough to nail down and uh see good seeds aren't cheap so uh germinate some of those bag seeds study do it step by step study those life cycles of the plant and go through systematically and figure out what you need to get started you can germinate some bag seeds just to you can be an expert germinator before you're even ready to grow just by pulling those bag seeds out and working on that process first, nailing that down. And then when it comes to time to buy decent seeds for five or 10 or 15 or $20 a piece, you're prepared and you're not going to waste your money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing there is honestly patience. Patience for sure. I mean, just in general, the life cycle of a plant is going to be four to six months, depending on the genetics and how long you choose to uh, veg your plant. 
So, uh, yeah. And, and mistakes happen on month four or month five all the time. So you have to be patient for yourself. You have to expect to make mistakes and learn your have lessons you, when they come up. Yeah. Have you ever had like a one that you like a yield that you were so excited for and that happened to you like I've five had, weeks uh, or something like that? I have had some issues. I uh, The first time I experienced powdery mildew, um, I did not know what it was. And I looked at the bottom of a plant and it was ruined. And it was like, it had about two weeks left. And it was a really nice plant. And that was the first of eight or ten plants I threw out that winter. Because oh, I wasn't, I I, that was the lesson I had learned. I was incredibly yep. fortunate. I had never had any issues with pests or powdery mildew or anything else. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it came on and due to inexperience and a lack of um, dedication, really, I was just kind of cruising. I didn't know that I'd, I yep. needed to, to get down there quite, quite as much as I did. And uh, it really cost me. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, are there like different methods to growing indoors like that are like, this is the blank method, this is the blank method, or is it not as laid out as that? Or is it more of like, there's just kind of one way to do it. And it's more of the equipment you buy. Oh, there's um, shades of differences, for sure. Uh, major differences would be the medium you choose to grow in a lot of people would say soil. So you can, soil is a medium that contains nutrient already. So you can buy, um, I'm not going to say brands, but you can buy soil that does not require you to add a nutrient to it. Or you can buy a hydroponic medium. Uh, this is what most people use. Uh, they would be made from peat moss or um, cocoa cores. It's an, uh, a byproduct of the coconut industry. Um, that's what I'm using now. Or some people will use deep water culture systems or aeroponic systems where there is no dirt, quote unquote, dirt or soil. And you're just uh, your roots are submerged in liquid or receiving periodic uh, misting throughout the day. And then uh, there are some people would grow um, by cycle. That's the most common way with a limited okay. amount of space. If you were a recreational grower where we live you'd have four plants you would and you would grow all four from uh, germination to harvest and then start again uh, what i'm trying to do is a perpetual grow where i always have a flower room and i germinate one to four seeds a month and every time i harvest a plant i put a new veg plant into the flower room and uh, what that does is spaces out a lot of the after harvest care that work that trimming if you were to have and a lot of home growers know this if uh, especially just coming off of outdoor season trimming is hard work and it's time consuming and uh, for my schedule i'd much rather trim one plant at a time than four so that's the yeah. big appeal for me for a perpetual grow mm -hmm. is it easier to grow from a seed that you've germinated or a clone that you've been given? Oh, a clone. A hundred percent. I just clone. Would, yeah, that would make sense just because it's already been germinated. It already be, it's already been germinated and it's already gone through the most vulnerable part of its life cycle. So certainly mm -hmm. for a beginner. The other thing to think, the other huge advantage there is a reputable uh, clone seller 
will not just be cloning any old plant. They'll go through a pack or two or X number of seeds and seek out the best of those and clone a very good plant. That's the idea, at least. Uh, versus when you buy a pack of seeds, not all seeds are the, not all uh, cultivars are going to be the same. So uh, you could do uh, four blue dream seeds today, and one of them might be really good, and three of them might be disappointing. So by uh, by purchasing clones from a reputable reputable grower who knows what they're doing, you are also probably getting a much better plant than just randomly luck of the draw out of your pack of seeds. Interesting. Yeah. Um. So. Forgot what I was. I forgot my. I forgot my next question. No, I had one that was on my what list. Happens oh, well. when we smoke. I feel like uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty stoned right now, but <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, on average, how would you? S oh no, actually, do you have any like equipment that measures potency? Similar to like how licensed producers do. I know that like. Um, no, I I do not. There are a couple interesting products around. Uh, there are, um, not one that I've tried. There are like, if you're familiar with so the old, you, you can buy them. If you can buy them. Okay. There are, uh, there are chemical test range kits that work like a pH strip and they will give you, they will turn a certain color and say, this is about 15%. This is about 20%, about 25%. You can, okay, you can send samples off to people who have good machines or there are um, uh, uh, my <coughs> my uh, grow shop, my hydroponic store. They have since retired and moved, but there are like smaller devices available uh, for about fifteen hundred dollars. There's one called Purple, I believe it's P U R P L, and okay. it's not as sophisticated as sending it to a lab. But I've had products tested there. Um, and uh, yeah, so if you are uh, looking to have a product tested, I would seek out the grow shops in your area, give them a call, and I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, every three or four of these places, they'll have something available for you to do that. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, how much does potency matter to you? Not as much as terpene content. Uh, okay. So potency uh, range is important, but uh, it's all about the entourage effect, and I want mm -hmm. a pleasurable experience when I'm smoking and uh, you really need the trifecta of moisture content, terpene profile and cannabinoid profile. Yeah. Um, I think one of the uh, bud tenders like worst um, I wouldn't say worst but at least it's 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 hard to have someone come in at least for me and be like just give me the highest. You get that all the time. Uh, I yeah. look forward to a day when we see it less um, I think it's, with respect to the individuals, it's a, it's an ignorant stance to just seek out high THC. Um, mm -hmm. It shows a, a lack of understanding, but the customer's always right. Exactly. And it, it drives me crazy. I know, but, man. You know, like they want high THC for a low <laughs> price. And, and the and other now thing everything's is, at like 30 now, too. Yeah. Like things are actually getting up there. Well, and well, the other thing is I don't trust the testing. Testing's Me just neither. a range, right? Uh, yeah. I mentioned I had taken a product in for testing. I've had my own product tested. I've also tested OCS product. And uh, it came from a product with 35% written on the jar. I took two jars in and did six samples. 
and they came back, uh, five of them came back 27, and one of them came back 26. And wow. the moisture content was listed as less than seven, which is the lowest point on the scale of this particular device. Oh, so they're brutal. Yeah, and that I is have brutal. I There's have looked at those numbers very skeptically since then. So we have to remember yeah. as consumers, these commercial grows. Picture a gymnasium filled with plants. Or bigger. That's that's the size of uh, facility a lot of these people are, are working with. And maybe that's just one of multiple flower rooms. They mm -hmm. go through there and they pick the very best bud and test yep. that. So as we know, um, plants aren't universally the same percentage. That top cola that has had the most time to mature and develop is always going to test higher than anything on the middle of the plant or anything on the yep. lower part of the plant. So mm -hmm. these companies, they test the most desirable bud and then they put the rest, like the odds of you getting a bud that's 35% yeah. are very slim. And if it comes in a Mylar bag, you can tell. Because if it's not a golf ball in that bag, it's not a yep. top. And if it's not a top, it's not even near that 35%. There's also exactly. things these companies can do to artificially increase that THC number by over drying a product. If you have a product at optimal uh, moisture content and it's 20% and you take out all that moisture weight, that 20% is all of a sudden 26% because the weight of the product, the same amount of THC is there, but you've taken a bunch of weight out of it. So the relative percentage of THC has climbed. There's a lot of companies that do that. That's so unfortunate, man. I there's a product we saw at our store that's like it's like 36 or 37 right now, and I'm just like that starts to become not, physically you're not real, <laughs> biologically impossible for a plant yeah. to survive. Like, wh where's the where's the plant? If you're hitting 35, 40 percent, like uh, it's just like it's more almost it's once so that's just the THC percentage. Once you add to that the terpene percentage and the flavonoids and lipids that's almost half the plant almost half that yep. plant is not plant and i just don't believe that at all yeah man i hope that we get some more consistency in that soon because yeah we've really got to have um some regulation some legisla legislation around testing and consistency Everyone has to be testing the same. And in my opinion, we should be giving a range. They should test yeah. some of those lowers and some of the tops. And the bag should say 18 to 24 percent. I think that that's, would be much, that's more much more fair to the consumer. The OCS, mm -hmm. the Ontario Cannabis Store, is supposed to be here to protect consumers. And all they're doing are, is collecting checks from where I sit. Yep. Yep. No, me too. Um so like on veering away from that a little bit which i really that, that was awesome I, I like talking about that um how much of an like for, i guess for a four plant indoor setup mm -hmm. like is there an average on what like that would cost someone oh uh it it really depends on space available um uh, i would recommend for 
a home grower who, who wants to grow their four plants to get a four by four tent or a five by five tent to give themselves enough space. Um, also, you need to have a light with a decent amount of power to achieve a nice, tight, fully formed final product. Um, and you can't do that in a smaller tent because of the heat problems you'll run, in, run into running a light of a certain amount of power. Uh, oh, there okay. are some 3x3 three three solutions, but you can't get a lot of plant into a 3x3. Three right um so i would go with a four by four or a five by five you could probably do it for 600 bucks canadian bare minimum uh i end up adding humidifiers and heaters and the sensors that go along with it uh, it kind of depends on the requirements of where you're living at some people will need to add a dehumidifier i mean that's mm -hmm. three or four hundred bucks at least uh, just to add that. Um, and if you're growing in a basement and you've got a humidity issue and you don't want powdery mildew, you're going to need a dehumidifier. I have two of them. Um, so it does certainly add up. Um, but yeah, you, I, a four by four tent, you should be able to get a decent one for about 200 bucks. And then a light to flower a four by four tent is probably... I mean, I have no idea. There's so many. There's so much competition out there. You're probably going to be close to a thousand dollars to outfit a four by four, um, in a way that sets you up for success. True, and even a thousand dollars isn't like bad compared to the amount of money you'll save on cannabis after this the is fact. True. So, like. Yeah, no, absolutely. Exactly. And I, I think of young people who are learning. Um, I had friends invest with me in my first tent. So uh, they helped me with that expense, that in initial expense right off the hop. And I grew. And Did you just have to give them weed? And we just shared the yield. Yeah. So they made an like, investment in it. So um, nice. Yeah, that was definitely helpful. But uh, yeah, do, do whatever you can. Also, like just to get started with growing if you can't afford a thousand dollars maybe maybe do a three by three and and uh grow two or three plants instead of four mm -hmm. that's one way to do it sweet mm -hmm. um what is your is is there an average yield that you have like on on the stuff that you grow like per i guess weight wise uh yeah i mean i i yield I don't grow big plants because I've got a back problem. Um, and I, it depends on so many factors, but I normally yield about an ounce and a half to two ounces of smoking bud. And then I don't even weigh the rest of it. I don't even trim it. I just use the rest for edibles and hash. Nice. Um, but it, uh, there is no sort of uniform number. It would really depend on the genetics how long you grow that plant out for before you flower it, and uh, certainly your grow environment and the quality of your equipment as well, mm -hmm. and the level of training you put into the plant. True. Mm -hmm. How And you said earlier, I think, how long is the growing process from start to finish? Generally, what, four to six weeks did you four say or was six it months? months generally so months the yeah uh, the flowering cycle is pretty much set you're going to get a good idea of your flowering cycle from uh your seed breeder uh they'll often give you a range most indoor growers are looking at eight or nine week strains 
that that's how long they take to flower. In my experience, you can always add another week or two. Breeders are always putting mm-hmm. like the best, most. Uh, the the breeders are perhaps just trying to give you a rosier picture. But anyways, sorry. I wish I could cut that. That sounds like donkey shit. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, your, your flower period, you'll have a good idea of, but then it depends on how long you veg for. So generally, you're going to germinate for a week or less, and then you've got a seedling for two or three weeks, and then you're going to veg for three weeks, three months, okay. however long you like there. That's where the real variable comes in. And mm-hmm. uh, then the after process, of course, you're Hopefully, you're going to dry for 7 to 10 or more days, depending on the size of your plant. And then I like to cure for a minimum of three weeks before I even sample. Okay. So, it yeah, right it on. adds up. What have, what have been your least favorite and favorite plants you've grown or strains you've grown? Uh, yeah, I've grown some um, that didn't turn out so well. Uh, I do uh, test for a number of friends who are breeders so going with that they're less stable genetics so you're less likely to you shouldn't really expect anything special when you do that and i've had some that are just like the they're just a little bit wispy maybe the buds don't fully form and and uh and get as dense as i'd like and they just end up going into the hash bag for edibles but uh yeah those uh, i haven't had any Let's put it this way. I haven't had any um, fully developed lines that didn't yield, that were incredibly disappointing. That's good. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, for sure. (coughs) Is there something you've grown the most? Uh, Yeah, there is, actually. Um, I, uh, I grow CBD, and there's, one, there's less variety available. Um, and it's just more of a utility product. I don't get excited about smoking it because I turn all my, virtually all of my CBD into oil. So I've just been running a product from Seedsman, which is a huge uh, uh, breeder and seed bank. I run, I've been running their Dr. Seedsman CBD, which is a 30 to 1 CBD strain. I've been running that for over two years, just uh, oh, monster cropping it, and I've, I'm running. I'm, I'm keeping a mom now with the intention of growing it indefinitely. Okay, sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I love it. Um, this is my last question, actually. Okay. <laughs> How often do you consume uh, your grown or anyone else's grown versus like store bought cannabis? Um. Well, working as a bud tender, I definitely buy too much legal cannabis. Um, I feel that. But it, it's tough to say. It certainly varies. Um, I probably, well, I consume probably about three quarters of what I consume I is my own. Uh, that including edibles. I, you, I dose an awful lot uh, with edibles. Um but my smoking weeds probably is probably about 50/50 right now because it's so hard not to get swept up in the latest exciting thing that we have available at uh at OCS retail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, especially around the holidays. Especially too, around the holidays. I mean, I I got <laughs> we had a uh a a a Black Friday event at Buds for Less and um 
I bought 50 bucks worth of pre-rolls that I didn't need. Like, why do I do that? But, you know. Just because. Just because. It's fun. You get excited, <laughs> yeah. right? Exactly. Um, so those are all my growing related questions, man. Thank you so much for having that conversation. Oh, my pleasure. I'm re- I hope I, w- I hope I didn't talk your ear off too much. Not at all, man. I, w- I was here to just learn. That's exactly why I wanted to do this. And I hope that everyone listening and watching has gotten the same out of that. And I'm sure they have. Oh, great. Thank you. But my last question, my last, last question is what I ask every week on the podcast. Um, it's what is your sesh song of the week? Is there anything that when you s- when you're smoking, like what song do you put on immediately right now? Oh, um, I don't really have a set list for what I'm playing, but if we're mm-hmm. gonna expose your listeners to a particular song, <laughs> I would say "Funkin' Teleki" by Parliament Funkadelic is a great song if you're into. Whoa. funk or bass or keys or psychedelics it's a great jam song it's about 10 minutes long um but it always puts me in a great mood so uh by all means grab a joint fill your bowl put on funk and teleki and uh wow. just see how that hits you i love that okay if we're going that route then my sesh song of the week is tomorrow never knows by the beatles okay that was a trippy one excellent <laughs> Right on, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Where can everyone uh, find you? Oh, absolutely. Thanks for asking, and thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, everyone can find me at Home Grow Ontario on... Oh, sorry, Home Grow Ontario 3 on Instagram. and uh, Or you can come down and see us at Buds for Less Dispensary in Barrie. We're at Maple View and Veterans. They've got a couple no, other no, stores. A great store. Check them out. And uh, if I could cl- if I could plug a couple breeders that are doing great stuff in the Canadian scene and beyond, we'll put all their we'll put send me all their descriptions and stuff. We'll put it all in. Oh, I will absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we'll do that. So be sure to check the description, or if you're on Instagram, check out Dollar Seeds Canada, Terpene Time 2.0. Aeek Genetics or Bombfire Genetics, all small-scale craft breeders doing incredible stuff. If you're in the market for seeds or anything, check them out. I've grown and tested for most of them, and uh, just great guys as well. So uh, support local if you can. Yep. I will definitely hit any of those people up when when I start to grow. Excellent. Right on, man. Awesome. Again, thank you for joining me. Thanks. Anytime, Connor. Great to see you. Great to chat. Great to see you too, man. All right, buddy. Take care. Thanks.